Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma, you may find us at healingwithworth.org. Welcome back to Healing with Worth. Last week, we talked about what self-care is and some of the benefits. This week, we're going to take a deeper dive into self-care and focus directly on mental and intellectual self-care. We hope you've been enjoying our podcast. We would love for you to please donate to healingwithworth.org. Your donation allows us to offer hope and healing to women who have been experiencing betrayal trauma. Thank you, Charlyn. Now, to start off today, we are going to move into our topic with a little story. One Sunday morning on a subway in New York, people were sitting quietly, some reading newspapers, some lost in thought, some resting with their eyes closed. It was a calm, peaceful scene. Then suddenly, a man with his children entered the subway car. The children were so loud and rambunctious that instantly the whole climate changed. The man sat down next to me and closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to the situation. The children were yelling back and forth, throwing things, even grabbing people's papers. It was very disturbing, and yet the man sitting next to me did nothing. It was difficult not to feel irritated. I could not believe that he could be so insensitive to let his children run wild like that and to do nothing about it, taking no responsibility at all. It was easy to see that everyone else on the sideway felt irritated too. So finally, with what I felt was unusual patience and restraint, I turned to him and said, Sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you could control them a little more. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first, first time and said softly, Oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think, and I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Can you imagine what I felt at that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly I saw things differently. I felt differently. I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my, my behavior. My heart was filled with a man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and compassion flowed freely. Your wife just died? Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in that instant. The story that Naomi asked me to share is an excerpt from The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. One of the points that we want to get to today in intellectual self-care is that when we are studying and we're, we're reading and searching for truth, the big things that we want to have that will help us on our journey are these paradigm shifts. Did you guys have any uh, stories that you wanted to share with your aha moments? Yeah, I, I love that story. And I, and I think everybody has a point in my, in their, in their healing journey where they have that aha moment. And I think for me, the way that I grew up and the, and the things that I went through growing up kind of gave me this uh, sense of independence, I guess, almost, 
almost to the point, like we talk about being self-sufficient, um, but I almost relied on that, on that term as a, almost, it was almost prideful, you know, like there's a level of self-sufficiency that you, that you want to have, but you also want to be dependent on God as well. And um, I think for me, all the years, you know, with everything that I had already dealt with in my life, I felt like I am strong. I can handle this. I can do this on my own, you know, and not that I didn't rely on, on my savior, but I didn't understand the healing aspect of the atonement. It was incredibly difficult for me to grasp and to understand. And I think for me, I found a Facebook group and I'll just put a disclaimer out there. Not all Facebook groups are effective and have all the answers, but this particular group that I'd found, it was the first time that I felt like I could do anything and that, you know, in terms of putting, putting myself out there, I was kind of doing a little bit here and there. But I thought if I just join this group and listen to what all these other people have to say, maybe that will, maybe that will give me some information. And it was in that group that somebody had shared a series of essays that an addict had written, a sex addict had written, and it was called Sitting in a Rowboat Throwing Marbles at a Battleship. His name was Andrew P. Um, I read that. And the first one that I read was a letter, a letter to the wife of a sex addict or a porn addict and that that really rang true to me when I when I read his words it was like the spirit was confirming like yes this the things that he is explaining here you know this has been my experience this is what I understand to be true and it was just that solidifying moment that gave me and it kind of along with the pushing from my sister-in-law and things that kind of gave me that extra kick um, to really kick my self-care and my healing into gear. And that's where I kind of switched that, that mode and, and started to really read up and find other books like real Croshaw's what can I do about me that was the second book that I that I sat down and read through and was like wow this makes sense you know and uh, it really helped me to get that when we talk about mental and intellectual self-care these types of things are are part of that aspect in learning about the addiction and learning about healing. And there are so many books out there, but these, these, that particular one was like my first turning point and my aha moment in really recognizing that I do, I do need to do something for me and I need to stop worrying about him and and really start focusing on my own healing because I was, I realized, and I, and I knew that I was broken. I just had no idea what to do. You know, I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know how to use, utilize the atonement to fix it either. I, I just felt like I was drowning, <laughs> I guess, and trying to 
just tough it out and be strong. And, and that, what, that wasn't the answer, you know, the answer was, was really to, to start figuring out, you know, what does it look like? What has somebody else done to do this? What about you, Janine? Um, I think the aha moment for me was just when I was in a state of trying to determine how I would ever know uh, if he was telling me the truth again, because he had deceived me for 28 years of our marriage, I had no clue about it. And so I knew that uh, it was my responsibility, or I felt a responsibility to understand what I was dealing with, because of the extent of time that had expired, you know, in our marriage before I even knew about it. And I felt like it was going to be really hard to tell because apparently he was either a really good liar or I was a really dumb wife. And I didn't really feel like I was a dumb wife. So um, I started to dive into these recovery books, so to speak, to help me find answers and then to come to or and then came to a realization that I really needed to uh, recover myself that there were some principles there were some definitely pillars so to speak that I needed to focus on um, during this time of of uh, trying to figure out you know what was next in my life or what what I needed to do next upon life in my life. So I feel like this intellectual learning really helps us to um, be able to distinguish truth from error and um, in dealing with uh, the behaviors of an addict. And it also has, I think, blessed me in the, in um, from a, a point of, that as I'm trying to find answers for my own life, I'm, I'm learning line upon line. And whether, whether or not that's the next step of my life or to, uh, to just maybe discover a different paradigm shift that I need, it's, it's been very needful and helpful in my recovery journey. Yeah, I love the idea of truth and error. I think that that's why we want to get in, you know, we want to read. That's why we want to learn is to be able to discern truth from error. And I really love that. I guess one of the obstacles that I'd been facing throughout my entire journey was letting go. I feel like in, you know, an example in the early stages, I was, you know, I found out a couple of weeks into my marriage that my husband was looking at pornography and I kept um, clinging on to that dream of having a perfect relationship. And then in conjunction with that, I would always blame myself for his misbehavior. And then at one point, um, on he had a D-Day and everything, it became clear to me that this wasn't just pornography, it was actually an addiction. And so at that point, I really saw that I had a, a lot of holes in my knowledge. I, you know, didn't really know um, how to handle this, what kind of decisions to do. I didn't even know about addiction. And so as I look back, I kind of think that moment was a gift for me because it propelled me onto another path. And so I started to look for answers. I started to 
ask questions and I started to seek out solutions and that all those, all of that came because of my thirst for this knowledge and this truth and this wanting to know truth from air. And then I found, you know, as I was going along my journey and I would learn something true. And then when I coupled it with action, I realized that that process would gradually lead me out of darkness into light. I guess one of the most profound things that I've learned that didn't come from studying books, but came from a time when I started to get outside. I started to walk around Seattle. I started to exercise. I started to notice nature and kind of enjoy nature. We went on a lot of nature walks. And and then as I was noticing this pattern of change, you know, that you would have a tree and it was, you know, it would bloom and then it would, um, it would blossom, it would grow fruit. And then we would eat of the, the bounty of that fruit. And then it would, we would watch it enter into like a death-like sleep until the bud started to come out again. And the more I realized this process of change and this thing that was happening around me, the more I realized that it was okay to let go. It was actually a beautiful process. And so I started to embrace the death-like sleep times in my own life because I knew that on the other side of that was a rebirth. And so I kind of, this, you know, like I went back to that example of the old, I used to want it to go back to the old way of a perfect relationship. I would never let that go. I'd never let that die. And so eventually I let that go. And now my marriage has changed into something more beautiful and because of that change process. And I always tell my daughters when they're going through dark times, I, you know, I would say, you know, we're not afraid of the darkness of the darkness of the night because we know in a couple of hours, the sun will come up. And I feel like that one nugget of truth has really helped me through this process. You know, um, I've learned to say it's okay to die. It's okay to let these, difficult patterns fall away. It's okay. And once I, because I was able to do that, because I knew that there was going to be a rebirth of something new and something beautiful. And so I'm just grateful that I learned the, these cycles of birth, growth, maturity, death, and then rebirth. And I'm grateful that nature taught me that. Can you guys relate to what I'm talking about? Absolutely. That's beautiful. I think, uh, for me, my, um, you know, as I, tried to distinguish whether or not he was when he would be telling me the truth um I learned a lot about the addiction and and why um this happens you know and and came to an understanding that this this addiction wasn't about me but it was about covering up the his pain he was covering up his pain this was a coping mechanism for his pain it was just his way of dealing with the pain in his life and um so that took a stigma i guess that can often creep in about this being about me you know i'm not good enough i i'm not sexy enough what whatever labels we put on ourselves. Um, as I intellectually grew in, in knowledge from these helpful books, it helped me 
you know, distinguish truth from error in this way as well. So I, I definitely relate to your, to your rebirth pattern. I love that because uh, we don't often look at marriage like that. If you are liking this show, you might want to check out our blog, healingwithworth.blogspot.com, because you're worth it. Yeah, I agree. I think um, for me, in that, that whole process of rebirth and letting go was definitely a process. And I think that part of that process and part of this mental and intellectual self-care um it also includes like having that mindfulness and really recognizing where you're at you know um when you're in this process of letting your letting that previous life or that previous relationship die and buried you know bury it so that you can create this entirely new and different and beautiful thing is a process and there are things that you go through in that process. There's grief and there's acceptance, you know, just as anything else, you know, just that whole grief cycle in the rebirth cycle is, is one of those things that really hit me um, and, and really rang true to me just in the fact that, that, yeah, I, I, I am not going to hang on to what I had before because what I had before was not what I wanted. (laughs) It was never what I wanted. Um, And so this idea of being able to completely change, I mean, at this point, I'm at the place where I'm like, my thoughts are, and my feelings are that I will never, ever go back to the way that things were. That that part of my life is over, it's gone and it's done. And, and the only thing, the only way that we move forward is to build something completely different than before. And, um, and that takes time and it takes work and it takes a lot of this deliberate self-care, you know, really, really searching and, and, improving yourself you know one of the thing one of the things that I did to um to work on me was joining uh joining the pathway connect class which kind of is like a a prep into college um courses online and and taking those classes really not only not only did it work my mental and intellectual self-care in in secular aspects like it was didn't have it didn't have anything to do with healing you know English and math I mean those things didn't have anything to do with my actual healing in terms of working recovery I shouldn't say healing it didn't have anything to do with working recovery um I guess I can't even say I can't even say that because it did at the same time but it was it was something it was something that I wanted to do that I chose to do so that I could expand my mind just beyond what I had done previously and, and being able to create something new with my own life and to really have this path forward in another direction 
it really helped me to see that, you know, that I have, I have more capacity to learn beyond just recovery things. So going to school and, and getting my degree and working towards this has really helped me. And not only that, but, but the religious classes that I took in that time, it was exactly what I needed. It, it helped me to really take hold and, and apply and understand and really um, have that continuous atonement working in my life. And, and it was, you know, there's this process of change that, that the atonement brought in me that I really now at this point in my life, I do understand how the atonement can heal. You know, even when it's not, it's not about something that I did wrong. It's not about my own sins, but it's about, it's about that process of studying and learning and growing and really diving deep into um, the scriptures and the savior and his love and, and what he did and his grace and really recognizing that daily in my life those different those different things that happen in life that are that can be overwhelming really i have i have a lot more ability with the savior's help to handle those things and they're not as overwhelming as they might have been when i was trying to do it myself and just pushing through uh, with my own effort and with my own grit or strength, you know, um, and really recognizing my thoughts and, and recognizing, you know, where that additional strength came from and, and continues to come from. And it's been, it's been huge to really be able to expand my mind, both in healing and outside of healing and how it really, no matter where it was, it really helped my healing. Yeah. I, I find too, that another step for me on my healing was a mentor of mine introduced me to the concept of self mastery. And so I feel like it was at that moment that I realized there are things I can control. There are things that I can do. And so I really started to take that seriously. And I got, you know, I created systems for, you know, getting my house clean and I have systems for study. And I started looking at some of my patterns and old stories and challenging those stories. And, you know, some of the things that I was taught when I was young that were incorrect, I started to challenge those ideas. And so I, and I feel like I did a lot of that through reading, you know, I would read a book and it would make me think, why that doesn't make any sense. And then I would, you know, ponder about it and think about it. And then I eventually came to a point where I was, you know, I was starting to heal. I was starting to feel empowered. And I guess for me, powerlessness was really a big obstacle for me. And so the the point where I started to learn that I could take my power back was a huge moment for me because I finally got that gift of knowing what I can, could control and what I couldn't. And when I focused on the things I could control, everyone around me started to change and it really did become moved from darkness to light. So I love that you mentioned 
power, Cherilyn, because I feel um, in my intellectual reading, it has also given me power, power to be able to protect myself against the behaviors of an addict and um, distinguish, you know, what I needed to do for myself to protect myself. And so that has been another great blessing in my life that um, has caused me to continue reading because I'm, I'm needing to protect myself. And then um, I feel blessed in this way to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because I have the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the teacher of all truth. And truth is truth. So truth can be found in many different sources. And when truth is revealed for my particular situation, then I have the gift to be able to the gift of the Holy Ghost to be able to teach me that truth, to, to confirm that truth to me. So it's just another great tool that I have to be able to facilitate this learning in my life. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think, and I know we've talked a lot about um, the reading, you know, reading books and um, learning aspect of this particular type of self-care. I just want to throw out there in closing that this, um, this type of self-care, the mental and the intellectual self-care, it really, it does, it's not all inclusive in terms of just reading books. There are so many things that you can do to expand your mind, um, taking up a new hobby, painting, reading a book, even taking a class at a local college to learn something new. Anything that you do deliberately that is something that you want to do for you and way to expand your mind that goes beyond your daily comings and goings, your daily routine, something that's just for you. Um, one of the things that I did in the very beginning was I completely changed my room, made it a peaceful place, you know, so you can take a room in your house and you can transform it into your space, into your peaceful place or start a garden. Or if you like to craft, find, find something that you want to craft or create, um, learn a new skill or practice one that you already have. I mean, there's so many ways that this mental and intellectual self-care comes into play and reading reading recovery books is definitely up there and learning about this and I think that also um, even just reading a book um, one thing that I think that we need to be aware of is that sometimes our self-care we want to make sure that we aren't doing we want to make sure that our intentions are there, you know, that we're doing it deliberately and not passively because when we do it passively and we're doing it to um, soothe instead of to enrich, then it can, it's not going to be as lasting. Um, but when we do it, our our motive needs to be deliberate in what we're doing it for. And so 
even reading a novel, you know, maybe that's all you can do. Maybe just listening to a book. (laughs) But I think that as long as we're mindful and as long as we are aware of where we are at in terms of our emotions and our feelings, then we can take that time to do these things and be enriched by them and not just be placing a band-aid over a deeper wound. All right. Thank you for listening to Healing with Worth today. Next week, we'll go into another aspect of self-care. And we've left some helpful books that we have gleaned good information in healing and recovery in the episode notes. So if you want to see those books, or if you want to see which books that we're talking about, or you need some recommendations for books, check out the episode notes for those books. Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org, to enroll in a therapist-led support group or to check out our blog. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or wherever you may listen, or simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for a new episode because you are worth it.